Uh, Pickenstone says, I got a heck of a question. All right. If you were to change anything in music education, what would you change and why? Everything. I'm doing, I'm doing a project on the subject, so I'm curious. There's a lot there, Pickenstone. You know, Adam Neely actually had a great video on sort of the uh, systemic racism in music theory. I, mm. I shared that on my social media and got so much like... <laughs> so much pushback for it. I actually don't understand the problem of having the conversation of analyzing where what we're learning is coming from, especially because for so many of us, especially if you play any kind of modern American music, so much of classical music theory is just not relevant or important. Not only that, but it actually can be like detrimental to how you learn the music. You know, we have to retrain people who learned via classical music all the time how to use their ears yes. i think you're a rare case where you're lucky enough to come up with really hip classical <laughs> musician parents and and we're in that world from an early age but learned very early on to use your ear to mm. learn things yeah to me that is the biggest disconnect is that if you look at the culture of the music that you're trying to learn and they don't have anything like that was written down for a very long time. It was just all passed down musician to musician. Should you be learning then from notation that was handed down from, you know, Haydn to so on and such forth? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to me, it just, there's so much that is missing from Western notation. Yeah. With what we make today, sure. it's almost irrelevant. To I mean, oh, I well, like I, getting political. Well, dude, getting dogmatic. I like it. Listen. If yeah, if Paul McCartney can write Eleanor Rigby without knowing how to read music, I'm all on board. Like right. I'm all for that. And if if you know what I mean, like I understand that it can be very. I mean, you know me. I'm a notation nerd. I love writing music and I love using notation. But I just think trying to teach uh, a, a style of music or or a whole school of music that just did not come up really with notation as an it's important part of its transfer. Yeah, is folly. And I think that's where we are. Yeah. I no, I totally agree, and I think even just from a practical standpoint, as much as a poli- I mean, the political side of it is is a whole other thing that's very real. Uh, but sometimes it's just by some people, it's probably done by accident. But the idea that if we think about music at its root level, let's get to the root, uh, you know, of it being a language, you know, and I know that that's like people hear that and then they're like, yeah, yeah, but come on, tell me the chord changes. Come on, give me the real stuff, you know. But these fundamental things about music are so important because you can use them to frame your development forever. And so in terms of education, what more is is more important than, yes, teaching correct fingering and all these things that we got from wonderful teachers that we had, yes. But I think a fundamental understanding and framework and really just mindset of this being a language and that we can immerse ourselves, get excited about, get passionate about learning a language. I mean, it's the same ways that a lot of times foreign language uh, in the U.S. especially, which is perhaps not taught. I mean, sometimes it's taught wonderfully. Big shout out to all the great teachers. But sometimes the joy is sucked out of it when it's you have to read and you have to conjugate and you have to learn the grammar as opposed to like you learn in France, let's get some croissants out and let's just put the barret on and start speaking the language. I hope I'm not offending anybody. But you know what I'm saying? Like let's immerse ourselves and jump right in yeah. to the sound of it. And that's what's so great about music. So yes, we want to learn all these different elements, but let's not codify it too early in the development. So I think, you know, 
I, that's Which is I exactly what we do, by the way, in most cases of music education. Sorry. Go yeah. Well, no, you mean too, too, too early. Too early. It's all written. Like imagine yeah. learning French and never hearing French. I know. Or not, not having someone speak it to you. Right. You're just reading it out of a book and whatever you produce is, you know, or your teacher produces. You know what I mean? Yep. As opposed to moving to Paris for six months, you would be much more fluent it's moving to Paris. Paris. It's Paris. 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 We'll you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, and so... Along those lines, you know, one of my teachers, I mean, my, my mom was my first violin teacher. And then um, when we moved to St. Louis, I got a chance to study with a wonderful uh, teacher named Eiko Kataoka, mm. Japanese woman who played in the St. Louis Symphony that actually I think my mom wanted to kind of study with because she was one of the first children that studied with Suzuki in his experiment, like in the 50s or 60s in Japan. That's he was dope. in that first class and was from Matsumoto, Japan. And so she happened to be here, but her story was very interesting. She was an amazing violinist. Her husband was a great cellist, but she was so immersed in the learning by ear, she didn't learn how to read music at all. And so then she auditioned, I guess she sent a tape to, um, I think it was Indiana or Oberlin, one of the really top conservatories in the States, because it was like, that was the dream to come to the US. And she sent this audition and she was accepted at like age 16. Mm. Um, Just by basing, by hearing her. By hearing her, by her playing. Yeah. Then they found out she couldn't read music and yeah. she almost didn't get in, but she was so good they let her in. But they were like, you have to learn to read music. In like two months before she was going to come over, she learned to read music. Like yeah, that was the because she part. already knew how to play music. Exactly. It's really then it's just <laughs> figuring out what all these symbols mean. Right. But if you're just trying to listen, reading music, if you're an orchestral musician, is is the main part of your job. Getting yeah. a great sound and being able to read music and being able to do it fast is so crucial for those people. For and for people who do shows and you know show bands and and things. I mean, there are gigs where reading is important. It's such a minuscule part of, of, of I think the musical landscape these days. Word that why don't we have a better way of teaching music so that it's more relevant to what people are, what the what most people are listening to, and I don't mean that in just like pop music or hip hop or whatever you know. Uh, this old guy wants to put on it. Yeah. I'm talking about literally just oh, yeah. everything we listen to. I mean, if you like Al Green. There's no scores lying around that Memphis recording studio. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, no. like let's learn how to get those sounds. There's some blunts laying around from that session. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that would be one thing. Anything else we were changed about? Well, the only other thing I would say about music education, and I think this is done very well. We have so many great music teachers, and especially here in the Midwest. This is kind of a bastion. I mean, all over the country, all over the world. Big shout out to all the teachers. Uh, we love you and we need you continued at all levels. Uh, but we have, we, we have a plethora of, of still great band directors and orchestra directors and private instructors here around the Midwest, which is great in some communities. But to me, it's like music education. Don't suck the joy out of it. And mm. I think some of this, like we were talking about having to read music or whatever, but also like if music isn't fun on some level, now it can be a challenge, especially it is a challenge as you get better. But if you're not having fun at it, I think you know it becomes you our responsibility at a certain point but when you're younger and when you have a teacher um i think it's the responsibility of the teacher to expose it to present it in a way that's fun and it is done that way i mean it's such a a, a fun thing there's there's many things that are a lot harder to pull the fun out of for most people but music is such a universal language um you know be it classical music be it jazz be it reggae be it i mean it, you know many different things but i mean if we look at typically the way just learning to play simple you know you know I mean, if you're you're coming and beating them with a ruler on on their hands, it's not going to be fun, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're but if you're singing along and you know, 
I love music. I don't know. If I, I, know. Have, if yeah, I have any yeah. faults, it's that I love music too much. So Buzz makes a point here, and, and this is, I think, something we can, we can push back against. Aren't we glad that there was a written language to convey much of value of many cultures around and forward in time? Isn't it simply a technology of efficiency? Art is long, life is short, which is true. And now the technology, Buzz, is that we can record what sounds we make. So we actually don't need the written language of it to convey to future generations what right. we do. They're going to be able to hear... And we can already listen to Louis Armstrong, who's passed away long ago, right. and how he sounded. And wouldn't it be better, instead of having all of Bach's written music, if we could actually hear him play some of those organ uh, pieces? You know, I would love to hear him play his own preludes. That, I, right. that would be amazing to hear Chopin play his etudes instead of just reading the book. I, that, would, that would be, I think, a, a much better experience. Right. So for me, I think like, you know, we're, we spend a little too much energy on that, but I get, yeah. I get a little worked up. Well, but I think, no, no, no. I, I, I think too, though, that this is a good point in terms of calling it technology of efficiency is simply, and that's, that's actually what can shape the chronology and how quickly an art form or a musical form moves along and develops. So you look at, yeah, at the time written music was how it got spread around uh, the world eventually but like this kind of european classical music and then there was music in asia there was music in africa there was different areas and some of them started to write it down some of them you know distributed other ways but once you get into recordings and like because that sort of coincided the beginning of recorded you know common not common but available recording technology kind of with the birth of jazz that moved things along very quickly because you know that sound everybody liked that sound but it had it been only written it would have taken a lot longer to get it like you would have had to physically hear somebody playing that in order to be able to connect with it and then be like wait i want to do that i mean it's kind of like all these you know once basketball michael jordan in the 80s and early 90s they're broadcasting his stuff all over the world little kids are seeing oh wow i want to do that had they not seen that they had to wait for somebody to come be a basketball superstar in that neighborhood they might not have ever gotten that bug to want to um you know play mm. So Buzz follows up. You would learn a Beethoven sonata by rote. I think that would be very good to do. <laughs> it would be good for your ears if you could do that. That would be. That would be. Um, cool. Uh, let's just see what else we got here. What's up, Zach? Oh, this is funny. Sorry, I'm late. My office scheduled a conference call during. I hate it when they do that. What's up with that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, clearly we publish our schedule in advance. So tell your office to get with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Joe says, quit that terrible job. Um, cool. Uh, what else we got, Adam? I'm just looking up through here. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, Another thing we were talking about earlier about ear training, what you can do is like if you learn something like, like the thing that you played for me, Adam, what was that? E flat major. And then you were going to like a four minor, yeah. you know, something, anything that say is new. And then you start to kind of hear it, take the rest of the day or maybe even the week or a couple of days to like, see what you can do with that same concept by placing it in different areas. Different keys is certainly an easy way to do, it, but it could also be like, and then maybe, so you go to the four and then you turn that into the major. Whew. Then that becomes the major to the four minor. And then at a certain point, just try to start going forward. Don't even think about where you're going. And you might mess one up, but then fix it. Because you really want to, 
you want your ears to start working on an unconscious level. Like that's the dream. So sometimes just learning things, practicing things, working on intervals, working on root movements, those are the elements that'll help, but you'll get to a point where it's like, okay, I can hear all this stuff, but I'm having trouble connecting the dots and making it automatic. And so that's a lot of times when people stop because they say, oh, I just don't have good ears. I've gotten as good as I can do, but I can't go next level. And I wanna encourage you to have a growth mindset with this because ears are some of the easiest things, uh, simplest things, sorry. Um, but it's time consuming, but it's a very simple thing in terms of repetition, challenging, learning, challenging yourself, but you've gotta be willing to continually go over to the edge. So like when we do this stuff, you know, playing around, playing stuff with each other, everybody's always thinking we've prepped, we haven't prepared any of this stuff. We literally don't talk about it. We refuse we to. We refuse to talk about it. So, um, but what we get out of that is a little bit of challenge and a little bit of ear training. So you can put yourself in that position every day, and in fact, you should. All right, me and Buzz. Now we have a we have an internet flame war going on. No, it's it's good stuff, man. It's a great discussion. Buzz follows up with, "It would be interesting to see you start that Beethoven project and share your experience, Adam, and then and then learn them all that way." Good luck, LOL. So this is my point, though. So that Beethoven, I, I'm not talking about Beethoven, though, Buzz. I'm talking about modern music post the, the invention of sound recording. And we're learning things like Miles Davis and Al Green and uh, Taylor Swift or whatever with uh, the, the way that we, we were taught Beethoven. And it's a completely different thing. The people that make the music don't use the way that Beethoven used to communicate the music. And yet that's still where our music education is stuck. It's stuck in the 18th century. And so that's what I'm saying is like, we need to get out of that. We're missing so much information that we can get now from recordings. Yeah. And uh, with that you, that you just can't get with Notation. Can you get Wynton Kelly's eighth note with notation? It would be impossible. So that's all I'm saying about I, I actually wouldn't do, learn Beethoven by ear because that, that music was developed to be passed down via notation. But I'm saying the music we listen to now was not passed down via notation. So why are we a- attaching this notation to it? When it doesn't tell the whole story, it doesn't tell anything about the. I like it. Now that there's been advancements in the art of recording, it doesn't certainly doesn't talk about that stuff in the notation. Right. About how much reverb is on the guitar and the thing. No, but things that are important to the sound of the song. About how much compression is there. There's no notation for that. That's all using your ears and understanding how modern modern music works. Absolutely. And I think it's important also, none of this stuff is all or nothing. Like we want a combination. Like there's the exception of, well, actually like like my teacher, she she actually learned Mozart uh, violin concertos by ear. I mean, like that was, because she had gone through this, book nine and book 10 are both two of the Mozart. So that very much well can be done. And I mean, her ear was very well developed. But the thing about it is these musics, like different musics and genres develop in the time that they exist. Right. So they're consumed, they're learned, they're handed down in different ways. I think that your point, which is a very important one, is like, let's not just thoughtlessly, for whatever reason, just take this one system that existed a couple hundred years ago yes. and apply that that technology to today when the actual manifestation of the music and stuff comes out of another sort of technology to hand it around. That's right. Travel, you know, you, you talk about, you know, recording word of and mouth. travel, word of mouth <laughs> yeah, yeah. is able to happen where people can hear this stuff all around the world. And then, you know, it's not just learning the recordings. It's like being able to hear it at a club and then and, going home and trying to figure it out by ear. And, and Buzz is saying these are not mutually exclusive approaches, which is what I'm saying too. I'm just saying one is super underrepresented in music education. Yeah. I do know, t- I, I work, I like orchestration 
orchestration and I do a lot of arranging for large ensembles. I'm a, I'm a notation nerd. I think it's super valuable and is a huge part of my musical life. I also think that in education, that other part that where we say you need to transcribe this and people are like, I've never transcribed anything before. And they're a professional musician. How does that work? Like, how do you get to a point where you've never picked anything off of a recording when we've had a hundred years now of recordings? You right. know what I mean? It's, right. just, it's just part of it that I think is lacking in our music education system. I do think they can occur concurrently. I just think it's way out of balance and it's kind of, it's getting to the point where it's so arcane that it's getting ridiculous and know? i think too it's like for music education it would behoove and you see a lot of great teachers doing this in you know not just in music but it's like how you know not that not that you have to pander to every single different kid but everybody learns in different ways and so like the way that we learn music you know first of all i think there's very very rarely anybody that needs to learn music less by ear you know, said nobody like, oh, I did too much ear training. My ears are too good, you know. Mm. So there's always that. But I think that we want to learn things and, and acknowledge that people learn in different ways. We have visual learners. We have, you know, all these different things. So give people a chance. And now I want to just jump to one question because we are running short of time here from Nor from our friend Noriko. And she says, any difference? Because this kind of, I think, ties in a little bit with the newer technology, too and the traveling of music, any difference of American and non-American musicians in terms of improvisation? I say no. Not, no, not what anymore. Say, Maybe Adam? at one time, yes, but not anymore. But sure. not as like a as as a stereotype or, or not a stereotype, but as like a whole. You couldn't say um, that there's something inherent to the way somebody plays. Now, I think your musical context, your musical heritage, your musical... Um, frame of reference like what you've heard what you've learned the way that you feel a beat and whatever that's always going to affect you and i think there's there's times when different geographical places around the world you know kind of breed you to to hear music in a certain way but there's always enough exceptions to that i.e you've got I, I mean the thing that i know that we know the best jazz music you've got people from every corner of the world that i've heard that can really excel in terms of their improvisation um and their ability to do that because they've steeped themselves in the skills and the sounds and the, the actual skills that you need to be able to improvise as opposed to getting getting into a thing of like this is a cultural thing that only applies to a certain part of the world cool this is a great discussion thanks buzz for the uh for the uh back and forth that's really awesome things to think about and hey listen it's never going to be a perfect system there's always going to be you know, a balance issue for anything like this. And there's always going to be ever changing ways that we communicate this stuff to each other. Yep. So, so folks too are asking about, um, ear training apps. And that's something that we always, every time we talk about this, we're like, we need to get into this. No, I'm telling you what, man, five minute ear training, December, it's happening. Oh, it's happening. Oh, is that going to be an app? I thought it was going to be a course. It's going to be a course. But yeah. Rob, you, you, I think Rob is a, is a member here at Open Studio. He'll have access to it. I know, but there was, somebody was asking about a, like a, um, an app. And I'm sure there's good stuff because it would be so easy to make. No? Don't even worry about the app. Don't, just don't just get the five-minute oh, ear training from Open Studio. <laughs> five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. I like it. Cool. Can we talk about, can we go public yet on J, 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 uh, JPA? Now, can we talk about that? Well, it, it, it's already happening. Jazz, no, I know. But Jazz Piano with Adam is a thing, and it's exclusive now, but it will be open to the public in 2021. New Year's 2021. Day. Also, look out for a possible bass access pass for our bass players. Maybe a Chris McBride daily master class. A little subscription. I can, can we guarantee that? 
Oh, Rich says, today's the first anniversary of my purchasing an open studio piano pass, one of my better investments. Thank See? you, Rich. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We we have smart folks um, coming in this time of year, which is which is super awesome. And we hope for everybody that's coming in um, today that you will be like Rich a year from now and still with us and excited about that. Um, I think we're good, right? Oh, we're going to invite you to the podcast. Some folks are YouTube only. Did you know that? No. Because they don't know where to get the podcast. They don't know the podcast? That was my mom until recently. No. Yeah, yeah. She thought it was like a paid thing and she didn't want to do it. I told her it's right there on her iPhone. Even if it was a paid thing, wouldn't you be like, Mom, <laughs> I can hook you up. No, she doesn't. You're my she, mom. She's not a freeloader. She's not a freeloader. But she also doesn't think our content's worth paying <laughs> for. It. It's a weird combination. <laughs> she wants to support her son, but not that much. Um, yeah, but you can check us out wherever... Um, Wherever you get your podcast, Google Play, uh, Apple Pod. Let's let's be honest. Everyone gets it at Apple, right? Stitcher got a couple, but not many. If you um, uh, if you do Android, just hit us up here. Yeah, hit us up at Android at adammanis.com and uh, you'll be able to get that. Oh. Thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Later. Peace. Later.